So last summer we started working through the Psalms of Ascent, which is the collection of Psalms. There's 15 of them from Psalm 120 to 134. We get about halfway through, and so this summer we'll, we'll finish the rest of them. And if you don't remember, right, the, these particular Psalms were used by, by Hebrew pilgrims on their, making their way up to Jerusalem for the various feasts and festivals. Uh, so they're, that's why it's the Psalms of Ascent, right? You're, you're traveling up to Jerusalem. There were steps up into the temple, so it's this whole trajectory of moving up towards God. And, and there are also others who believe that this was, these were Psalms um, used to encourage Israel returning home from exile in Babylon. So these are homecoming Psalms as well. Um, one or the other, I think it's probably both. I mean, they, they're, they're, they would be appropriate for either. But let, let's read our passage and, and pray and, and meditate on this. It says, Psalm 128. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And this is God's word. Uh, it is true and trustworthy, and he has spoken to us today in love. Let's, let's pray. Our, our Father and our God, we, we often forget too quickly that our, our relationship with you begins with you blessing us first, uh, that you give us good gifts, and, and that we get to rejoice because of your generosity. And so I pray as we meditate on this psalm that, that we would experience the joy of your face shining upon us and on our families and on our households that your blessings might flow to us um, and through us to our neighbors. So send your spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to see all these blessings that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this psalm deals with life at home, with God's blessing on, on family, uh, that a relationship with God will give you a surprising satisfaction with your work and your home life. Um, and so I'm calling this passage praying, uh, the, the title of this sermon, Praying for the Good Life. And part of that is because of verse 2 in Psalm 128. It says, you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. And it's, it's the Hebrew word tov, which means good or beautiful or, or well or attractive. And so it's this whole idea of there's a particular life, the blessed life, the good life, that the Bible lays out for us um, that, that is attractive. It's good. You'll, you, it'll be better for you keeping God's ways than should you not. Um, yet, I know as we read this psalm, right, blessed is, blessed is your wife, your work, your children. This is how you will be blessed don't, don't you have questions about how that works? I mean, it seems, it seems to say that if you are blessed by the, the God who made you, your home life will be happy. Right? 
I mean, this would be one of those health and wealth passages that people would say, see, you, you, got, you, know, you, you, you get right with God, everything else will go right in your life. Except we all know that there are Christians who are poor, who can't pay their bills, who struggle to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Uh, we all know Christians who hate their job. Um, we know Christians who want to be married and who aren't. We have parents who want children and, and can't have them. We know broken family dynamics where children aren't sitting at the table. Um, not everyone gets to enjoy their grandchildren. Right? I mean, that's to, to misquote Billy Joel out of context, the good die young. Right? In other words, right, this, the, the, the psalm starts with blessed, which is a word for how joyful, how happy. And yet, the, the, the grief we carry can, can drown out the joy that this psalm says God gives. And so, it's helpful to know that the psalmist is not naive, right? This isn't saying just um, put on a happy face and, and plow through and pretend like everything's okay. Um, nor is it saying if you get right with God, everything will be great. But it is saying there's a blessing that filters down into your family. Now, the way the, the Psalms of Ascent are organized, right, there's 15 psalms. So there's five groups of three psalms each, and they're, they're organized thematically, right? So, and each of these three psalms, you know, out of these five groups, right, the first one will tell us our, our poverty, what's wrong with us, what we need, why, we need, why we're crying out for help. The middle psalm will show off God's power and his ability and desire to help. The Lord is, the Lord is our help. And then at the third psalm, well, we'll say this is the blessing and peace that God gives, right? It, it'll, it'll be peace and blessing they'll, they'll show off. And, and so you have a psalm where it says, here's, I need help. Here's my tears. Here's my frustrations. This is, my life is not lining up with the blessing that you're describing. The second one says, turn, where do you turn to ask God for help? And the third one is saying, here's his gift of peace and joy. And here's how you pray for these things. Right? And so when you get to Psalm 128, we're in the third of, of one of these groups where this is, tell, it's connected to Psalm 126 and 127, and it's, it's teaching us how to pray, right? And if you read Psalm 126, it's about tears. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. And it makes a promise that those who sow in tears will reap shouts of joy, right? Grieving people are praying these prayers. All right, and then you get to Psalm 127 where it describes God's ability to build a house, to build a family, to build a city, to build a community. Um, in contrast with the fact of if you, if you don't have that understanding of God building and God serving and God working on your behalf, every waking moment is going to be filled with anxiety. Right? Sleeplessness. We looked at that last summer. So all that to say, Psalm 128 isn't, um, isn't naive. You've got to put it in context. It's offering joy and peace and satisfaction in, an, in the midst of an unsatisfying world um, that comes in alongside our troubles, right? God with us. Right? And then one, one other difficulty as we jump in and you think about this, right? this describes a home life where you have a husband and wife that enjoy one another, and you have children around the table, and then, right, this is the kind of Norman Rockwell scene that, 
that, that the Americans, we, we dream of every holiday. Um, but we know if you just watch this weekend, people are going to be grilling and celebrating the 4th of July and husbands and wives who love each other, they have children, they're eating around the table and they don't know Jesus. They don't know the blessing, right? I mean, even the mafia, they're all about family, <laughs> right? Which means this is aiming at a particular part of God's blessing, but there's more to it, right? There must be more to this blessing than a happy home life and a happy work life, but not less, <laughs> right? So what is this good life that we're, the psalm is getting after, and, and, and then we're going to ask how do we get it? And so let's look at the portrait of the good life. Right? The key word that we start with is the word blessed. Blessed, happy, joyful. Uh, some translations will say, happy is everyone who fears the Lord. Um, right? And so that's, that's the beginning, right? Part of, to be a Christian, um, to fear, that's, that's a way to describe fearing the Lord, right? To be a believer, to run towards Him. Uh, to, to fear him properly is to live as if he exists and he is, your father's eyes are the most important eyes and his commands are the most important commands, right? But a sign that you know him is this blessedness. You're, you're living in the realm of his blessing. Uh, there, there, there's a, a joy that follows you wherever you go by virtue of knowing the living God. And so, and say, yes, we sow our tears. Yes, we have reasons to be melancholy. Yes, we have reasons to lament and cry out. That's what the rest of the Psalms are about. But the context of lament is also in the context of God's blessing. Right? And the word blessed has to do with this idea of well-being in every aspect of your life. Right? It's not just spiritual, it's, it's earthly. Right? We're, we're bodily creatures. That's why I wanted to make sure we read Psalm 112. I just messed up the number when I gave details to Sally. Right? Psalm 112 shows us that, yeah, being blessed by God includes your family, your children. Your offspring will be mighty in the land. But it also controls your emotions. Right? You're not going to be afraid of bad news. It's going to affect your spiritual life and your character. You're going to be gracious and merciful because God is gracious and merciful. You're going to be generous. You're going to be someone who lends. Right? You're be the kind of person that, that isn't the slave of your emotions, but your emotions become servants that lead us to God. And that, that's what one, one commentator put it. So the idea is, is if you're blessed, the way, the way this starts joyful, happy. It's, this is the fruit of a, a confidence that God is at work in every aspect of your life. In Psalm 128, right, if you look at your whole life, here's one corner of it, your work and your home life. Right? But this is really a really important point because if you were to ask your neighbors um, what Christianity is like and what kind of person you'll be if you become a Christian, do you think they're going to say joyful? They kind of they think of us as angry, uptight, um, and kind of a sour, depressed look on our face. Because we're talking about sin all the time and guilt. And 
That's why I like G.K. Chesterton's point where he says humans are more themselves. They're actually more human when joy is the most fundamental thing about them. And grief is superficial. In other words, he says, he keeps going, melancholy should be an innocent interlude, a tender and fugitive frame of mind, but praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. Pessimism, at best, is an emotional half-holiday, but joy is the uproarious labor by which all things live. He's very poetic. (laughs) He keeps going on and says, Christianity satisfies supremely in this, that by its creed, by the virtue of who God is, joy becomes something gigantic, and sadness becomes small and special. There's a place for it. I mean, don't you want that kind of joy? where tears aren't suppressed, but you have something that holds on to you when your family and home life is not the Christian ideal, right? Because you fear the Lord, right? This is, that's, the, that's the context. It's blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. It's those who are in this realm of relationship with the living God, right? We're in the Psalms. How, does, how do the Psalms begin? Blessed, right? Blessed is the man. Uh, the person who delights in the law of the Lord, they're going to be like a tree planted in streams of water whose leaf does not wither. In other words, you're going to have a joy that's, that's able to sustain you and will not wilt in seasons of suffering. Keep following the train of, 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 of the story of blessing in, in the Old Testament. You go further back to number six. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Right? right there, it's God's desire to give his people joy, to bless them. I mean, and all of what that means. <laughs> that you might know the joy of God's smiling face and his grace and his peace and his presence. Um, to have a father who wants to be with us, his people which is really stark if your family life is not the ideal, if not the Norman Rockwell painting. And I recently heard a Christian testimony of a young lady who's, after the divorce, after he remarried, um, mar- married somebody with five kids, and over time, eventually, he just said to her, you know, it's just better if we just have a clean break. I need a fresh start. It was a father who just said he turned his back on her. The the blessing that every believer has is God's smiling face. A father who says, I want you. I chose you before the foundation of the world that you might be blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you keep going back further and follow the train of thought of blessing, right, you go all the way back to Genesis 1. This is who God is and why he made us. God created man in his own image Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And then the, the culmination of that day moves from, from good to very good. <laughs> it was well with them. Right. To be human is to be designed for blessing, to be designed for joy. Uh, blessing in particular of, of knowing God here on earth. Right. To fear the Lord is to run towards him because you know running towards him, even though it's frightening, 
because he's the living God, the holy, holy, holy one, you still rejoice. Rejoice and tremble, right? Rejoice because you know all the benefits that come from humbling yourself and turning, turning back to him. So that, that's our reflection, right? Right fear of the Lord makes us run towards him. Sinful fear makes us run away from him. If you, if you really take the story of the Bible seriously, that it begins with blessing, we live in a land that's cursed, and you watch the story of God working to make his blessings flow and, and known as far as the curse is found, to move to a new heavens, a new earth where there is no curse, right? That's a God you want to run towards because he's moving towards sinners. So, blessed. If you're a Christian, you're blessed. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walk in his ways. There's a second piece of this, right? To fear the Lord, one of the signs that you do fear him and you've turned towards him, you care about his ways. There's a particular way to live. We read Psalm 112, right? Blessed is the human, the man, uh, who fears the Lord. He, he delights in God's commandments. You're, okay. You're not just okay with being told what to do right? Doing it kicking and screaming, right? Parents know what that looks like. Is okay, I hate this, but I'll do it. Now, there's a delight, right? Everything in us wants to get this blessing, this joy in our work, in our homes, uh, in romantic relationships, putting all kinds of heavenly pressures on our earthly kids, right? Because I want to walk in my ways and get joy, create the good life as I see it, right? To do what I want when I want to do it. And does that, how's that working out for you? <laughs> and it's actually Billy Joel, only the good die young. I don't know how I got there in my sermon prep, but I did, but right? That lyric is actually a, a, a song where he's saying to a Catholic girl, why can't, why won't you just break commandments, Right? Why won't you just give me your love, give me your body, give me your affection? He's really frustrated by the fact that she, as a Catholic young lady, uh, is refusing to break the seventh commandment. And so he, he, he sings, there's a heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. And then he goes on to say, the stained glass curtain you're hiding behind never lets in the sun. <laughs> right? you, can, you can hear that attitude. Do you, do you see it in your heart? <laughs> yeah, God promises joy, but this seems easier right now. This is a confrontation as well as a comfort. God presses, promises blessing, the good life, but it's on his terms. Right? Walking in his ways. Are you willing to, to receive his gift of joy as well as the gift of his sovereign lordship and commands? Right? See, Chesterton's brilliant in the way he ends his book, Orthodoxy. He says, joy is the small publicity of the pagan. Right? He's saying, you know, it's Billy Joel. He's, he's, he's standing up and saying, we're having fun right now because life isn't going to last forever. But for the Christian, that's our gigantic secret, is we have joy now. But joy unending is coming. 
and a new heaven to new earth. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. Right? Now, let's, let's zero in on the context, because here here's how this person shall be blessed who fears the Lord. Um, there's two parts here. Um, and, and again, I, if you want something interesting to do this summer, just search the Psalms for the word blessed and get a full-orbed picture of what kind of blessing God offers and how spiritual and earthly it is together. Um, but, but here, if you look at at blessed work, it says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands and you shall be blessed and it will go well with you. And if you read it in context with Psalm 127, this is, this is a promise. There's two ways to eat. You can eat the bread of anxious toil and, and, and work from morning to dawn and, and never be satisfied because it's all dependent on you. That's Psalm 127. Right? Always anxious about money, never happy, always wondering if you have enough, always wonder if you should have done something better or different. Right? It's, the, it's the portrait of a person who makes their career um, central, their life. Right? Or you can experience the simple joy of knowing that God blesses the labor of your hands, he gives your daily bread. Right? There's gratitude that infects and invades your work. And the tricky part is, is you often can't tell the difference from the outside. I imagine this probably isn't too unrealistic. Imagine Amazon's live streaming your family dinners, right? And so you got two different families, one Christian, one not Christian. I know now you all just got nervous, but... But you, know, you have two Norman Rockwell-type paintings of families sitting around, sharing life together, laughing, eating good food, drinking, eating the fruits of their labor. Or maybe they're drinking wine, which gladdens the heart, says the psalmist. But one of the things you can't see is the heart of those who are sitting at the meal. Right? The anxiety of anxious, you know, eating the bread of anxious toil, the fear of failure the pressure to succeed, to maintain. Right? That's, that's in there. You know, the two families might be moving to the same rhythm, responding to the same gifts of God, and, but it's, it's the believer, the Christian, who responds in gratitude while the unbelieving response is anxiety. God gave me a job. He gave me skills. And even if I don't like my job, he's put food on the table. That's why we... Pray before our meals. Right? And in a farming context, it's a big deal if you have food on the table to eat, to, to spend the whole planting season uh, just prepping and planting and, and to see that God, who oversees the seasons, made it possible for you to eat. That's gratitude. And He's promised to do so. Right? That's blessed work. You see it as a gift. Right? It's part of creation that's not the creator. Uh, second, blessed family. It says your wife will be like a, a, a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Right? If your wife is a fruitful vine, um, right? you got to think about it this way. In ancient Israel, a sign of God's blessing was children. Right? If you... It was something that, that the women would pray for. I mean, in a land where people didn't live long, you, lots of children were essential to, to work the land. 
Grandchildren were essential for you have, that, that was your social security plan, your retirement plan, your 401k, right? And so you pray for children, you pray for sons in particular. And so if she's a fruitful vine, she has children. That's part of it. But in Song of Songs, chapter 7, um, there's a lot more to it. It's a lot more salacious and seductive. It's, it's a, to, for your wife to be a fruitful vine, it's an image of beauty and faithfulness, where he describes her body as being the fruit of the vine. And she responds and says, Come, my beloved, let us go out to the vineyard and, and see whether the grapes have blossomed, and there I will give you my love. And so it's a poetic image, celebrating and saying, here's a wife, here's a spouse who loves and enjoys you and is, is faithful to, the, to their marriage vows. Here's someone who's your friend. Right? To, to quote my, my Hebrew prof, this is how he describes Song of Solomon, right? His, his marriage ought to be white hot and rock solid. <laughs> right? And the it's just the blessing that that gives around the house, the security of you are yourself with all of your faults and flaws, and your spouse stays, for better or worse. And then you have children as olive shoots around the table, right? There's a joy in this gift of kids. It's fruitful work, fruitful wife, and then you have the hope of fruitful children. And part of this is it's optimistic. It's looking at children as olive shoots. Olive trees are, are a lot of work to, to grow and, and patiently tend for them to bear fruit. But they're still a gift, right? This is part of, this is how a person will be blessed who fears the Lord. It doesn't call children weeds, right? They're not the thorns and thistles. <laughs> it's a very positive view of children, right? So, Again, this isn't saying everything's going to be awesome. This is saying, look at the gifts. Right? The husband and wife are sinners. Children are sinners. There's going to be trouble. Read the whole story of the Old Testament. But right, don't ignore the blessing. There is joy in knowing that God's desire is to bless your family, that he's promised to work in your family. And so I, th I think one of the healthy ways to look at this would be to say, this is a call to trust God with your, your spouse and your children. Because God has promised, beginning with Abraham, beginning with Adam, to work through families. So to bless, blessed is the one who fears the Lord. He's, he's at work. We don't always see how. It's always slower. You know, there's, there's, there's different seasons. But this is how a man will be blessed. See, Psalm, Psalm 128, you're supposed to read this with Eden in the background. Fruitful work, fruitful family, fruitful marriage. That's Genesis 1 and 2. Um, that, that God's plan through the family is to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. So as believers, we turn around and say, thank you, God, for this gift. He, he puts the lonely in families, as the, the Book of Common Prayer reminds us. Now, so that's the description. Right? Remember, this is a particular context. 
verses uh, 5 and 6, switch gears to say, here's how you pray for this, right? The Lord bless you from Zion. It turns into this benediction-type formula. Um, to, to, here's how you pray for this good life, not just for you, but for others, right? And you, you can see the move, right? It, May the Lord bless you from Zion. Zion's another name for the city of Jerusalem. And so you have the city up here on a hill, and you're praying for the prosperity of the city. But if you connect the blessings, it's the blessing flowing out from the city down into the, the different families in Israel. Right? That's why Pastor James Boyce would say God's blessing is always incomplete unless it's embracing others. Right? It's not just about me as an individual. Right? It creeps into the family, and the family creeps into our neighbors and, and our friends. Right? The Israelite praying for this is not just praying for their own family unit. They're praying for, for God to bless all of Israel, their whole family. Right? It's praying for the prosperity of God's people, praying for the church is the language we would use as Christians. Right? And so how do, how do we, here, we're going to do a little bit of technical stuff on how to read this, but how does this affect us as followers of Jesus? Like, how do you tap into this blessing? All right? For those of us who keep the ways of Jesus, who is the Lord that ought to be feared? feared? Right? And so in the Psalms, where does God's blessing come from in Jerusalem, in Zion? Psalm 2 tells us, teaches us how to read the Psalms. In Psalm 2, God says, As for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. This is where God's presence is with the king. And this king says, to, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And then it goes on to say, Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice. Right? There's that joy word. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest you be angry. Blessed is everyone who takes refuge in this king, in this son of God. And so in this psalm, you have the connection, right? Our blessings flow from Jerusalem. In, in the context of the psalm, it's the blessings flow from the king of Jerusalem. If the king is blessed, we are blessed. Right? If the king is rebellious and judged, we face those consequences. Right? Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The problem is, if you know the story of the Bible and you read Samuel and Kings and you know what Israel's kings are like, um, you say, man, this, this blessing seems impossible. Who could get it? Because which of the kings delighted in God's commandments? You say, David. Well, he killed, had his best friend killed, so he and impregnated the dude's wife and then tried to cover the whole thing up. And you say, well, what about Solomon? He asked for wisdom. You read 1 Kings 1 to 11, alongside all the great things he did is direct things that are in Deuteronomy that he's not doing, accumulating a gazillion wives, um, building up a massive army, right? very specific things that as one blessed with wisdom, he ought to have known. And it's just down, downhill from there. I mean, the most common refrain in Kings, it seems like it's, they did evil in the sight of the Lord, just the way their fathers did. 
which led to exile in Babylon, which it led to tears, which led to Zion's fortunes falling apart. Disobedience led to cursing. Right? Enter Jesus, the son of David, God's king on Zion, the one to whom the New Testament says repeatedly, when Psalm 2 says, this is my son, that's the one it was pointing to, it was Jesus. Right? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Someone who was relentless in pointing out that I only do what I, I see my father doing. He delighted in God's commandments. And what Jesus does for us, that's his work, is to make the everyone who fears the Lord possible to receive this blessing. Right? Whether it's Jew or Gentile, anyone who believes. Because if the requirement to receive blessing is to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to delight in his commandments day and night, how do you measure up? Right. Just look at your home life. Right? I mean, just, just the battles that we have to, to forgive one another, to communicate clearly. Um, I mean, that's half of a pastor's job with counseling is especially with premarital, like, how are we going to deal with your families? Let's talk about this. Because the best families have a little bit of Billy Joel in them. All right. Trying to get joy in our own terms. And, and what Jesus does in the gospel is he secures our blessing by being cursed, despite being the only one who kept the law. And so when Psalm 128 says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, you got to read Psalm 2 in there. May the Lord bless you from Zion through Jesus who sits on that throne. And where is this throne in the New Testament? It's on the cross. You know, if, if Psalm 128 shows the blessed life is feasting with family, the cross shows Jesus no longer welcome at his Father's table, being rejected. Right. bearing the judgment we deserve, drinking the cup of rejection so that we might have a seat at the table, so that we could be those, <laughs> those children, those olive shoots that will flourish under the love of God the Father. Right. And the way you get that blessing of, of forgiveness <laughs> and presence, fruitfulness, right? it's faith. Fear the Lord. Fear Jesus. That, that, that would be the language. Run to him. Blessed are all those who take refuge in Jesus, God's son. So that's going to lead us to the table here. But let me conclude this way. All right? This is a good life, but it's teaching us how to pray and ask these things, ask for these things for our families. If you're going to pray for Families in the church, right? Peace be upon Israel. Peace be upon church. Peace be upon the family of God and then the individual family units within the church. Right? Pray that the family units would then be able to be a blessing. That our family units, as we get to know Jesus and all the benefits of belonging to him, right? The pattern in the New Testament, if you've been blessed, it's so that you might be a blessing. 
And so that's how this prayer works. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel, you're praying. May the church know the peace of Jesus. May it invade your house. May, the reconciliate, may you be reconciled to Jesus and then reconciled to one another. May you learn to forgive one another as God has forgiven you. It's going to be Psalm 130. We'll talk about that, forgiveness. I mean, families are an integral part of God's plan for his people to be a blessing. That's what God said to Abraham. I'm choosing you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to make you a nation. This is Father Abraham, so that you might be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So that, and the way that works out is from Zion, from Jesus' throne in Jerusalem, where God's presence is, right? That it might flow out to the ends of the earth, to all the nations. And where, we, where are we at in that portrait? Well, we're much more, we could probably relate much more to, to Israel and Babylon than Israel and Jerusalem here in upstate New York. Right? Because you remember Jeremiah 29, Israel's in, a, in exile, they're in a place where they don't want to be, they're surrounded by people who don't believe, they don't care about the gospel, they don't know, they have different ways of living, they're looking to get their joy from all the gifts around them that God has given them. And God says to Israel, I want you to serve your neighbors. How? Get married. Have children. Work for the well-being, the welfare of the city where I put you. Because as you work, as you build a life around neighbors who don't know the blessing that you have, there you will be blessed. You'll find your well-being. So here we are in Hope Church in Saratoga County. We, we, we know the gospel. We receive this grace upon grace. And one of the ways we witness is to move into a place and stay and raise families, eat and drink and invite others around and work for the shalom, the, wel- the welfare of our community. Because as you work without an anxiety-ridden heart, that allows to have conversations with people who are just being crushed and buried by their work. As you raise kids whom you love, who disappoint you because they're sinners like you. <laughs> right? You get to model the grace of God and, and the parenting. And, and other people can say, where do you get the patience to deal with your kid who's not doing what you wish they would do, who's destroying themselves in worst-case scenarios? Right? No, this, is, this is a call to enjoy the gifts of of food, drink, work, love, sex, marriage, children. Right? Let that gigantic secret of joy creep in. And do that in the presence of your neighbors, your friends, your family. Right? It's God's job to, to make his blessings known to them. But how are they going to see what a, how it works unless they're seeing us? Second, all right, this is a prayer not just for, for us to be blessed, which it is. I would, Psalm 128 is saying, pray for Israel. Pray for Jerusalem and its prosperity. Now, how would we translate that to the church? Right? Well, Paul calls Israel the church in Galatians 6, but it would be the, the whole people of God. So we're praying for not just our families, not just us to see our grandchildren. <laughs> Pray for the families of the earth to know the joy of Jesus Christ. 
that they would know all the blessings of the Messiah, of Jesus. Right? Such an interesting way to think about it is if, if Jesus is on his throne, this is the Old Testament portrait, on Mount Zion, and it's overlapped his mapped Eden where rivers of water flow down to the ends of the earth. And the idea is in Eden, those blessings were going to flow wherever God, God's blessings are, wherever God is. But that's mapped on Jerusalem now. Now those Eden blessings come through the king. And now we know that king is Jesus, and Jesus is everywhere with the churches. So how do those blessings flow to the nations? Through the church. And so we pray for the church and its prosperity. Pray that we would be blessed, that we would be protected from conflict, that we would be protected from false teaching, that we would be protected from just ourselves. <laughs> and then pray for the prosperity, that, that we would be fruitful, we would multiply, um, both, both in the fruit of the Spirit and, and in people coming to know the Savior. So this is one small psalm that has threads that are running all over the scriptures. So do you believe this good news that blessed are everyone who fears the Lord? You know, when you see the grace of Jesus giving these blessings <laughs> to moral failures, as we're going to taste, that makes me want to walk in his ways. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you for all of your good gifts. Um, and we know that the small joys of family are just a taste of the eternal joys to come in the new heavens and the new earth. And so I pray as we come to the table and get ready to eat and drink as family, uh, Lord, we pray for your peace to be upon the church and that you would grow us in the grace and knowledge of our Savior and that through this place for generations to come, uh, we would be a, a city on a hill, light in the darkness, a place where people can come and find refuge in Jesus and find healing and hope. Uh, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.